but you know, it's funny. So we were just talking about obviously this, you know, Otani and like Trout and uh, Ellie Dela Cruz, like all all these different people. But it's like there is that. Uh, we should talk about it on you know like further at some point. But like that, Damian Lillard, Mike Trout, like thing of like the players that stay on bad teams for too long whether they buy into promises or or you know or just want to stay there but then they end up you know you hate to say wasting their career but the reality is mike trout is doing stuff that you know uh, over the course of a career we've almost never seen before Mm -hmm. and it uh, pretty much doesn't even matter it's not that impactful uh when you're doing it on a constantly losing team and you know how long should otani have to have to be there too well we're gonna find out with otani um this offseason i mean imagine that one team has mike trout and shohei otani on the same team and you're terrible yeah i mean we'll talk about it a little bit about what otani's been doing but it's just like we're talking about all-time great stuff happening yeah, some of the craziest, most impressive baseball ever played, and you have two of them on the same team. I mean, what did the Phillies give up for? Uh, oh God, for what's? Why am I drawing a blank on his name? But you know who I'm talking about, Bryce Harper. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go back and you look at like what Washington had for a little while with that team with, you know, oh, with Bryce Washington Harper was, and Steven Strasburg yeah. and all the yeah. guys. Who was it? Uh, was it Anthony Rizzo? Uh, I mean, they yeah. just had so many people on that team. Yeah, um, uh, Rendon, Anthony Rendon. Yeah. Oh, that's um, it, Rendon, yeah. Yeah, so you're looking at Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and you let them go to sign Strasburg to this massive contract and probably never going to pitch again. I mean, and it's unfortunate for him, but yeah, I, like how you couldn't keep that team together, I, I don't know. I mean, the fans in Washington would have been there, but yeah, I mean <laughs> – you know, and that's not even like counting, you know, you know, yeah, Anthony Rendon being there and, you know, all those. I mean, they got one World Series out of it. I, I'm, you know, I, I suppose that's all they really wanted at that point. And yeah. now it looks like Washington's probably going to be selling the team. So they wanted to, uh, you know, wanted to, uh, I guess, tighten up the, the purse string, so to speak. And, you know, but I just it, now they're, you know, you're, you the players they had are the players you try to draft. Like those are the players yeah. you try to have in your yeah, you system. You already had it. Like that you was, you already them. had the best case scenario yeah. for how like, you, your team could have yeah. gone. Bryce Harper is a two time MVP. Juan Soto is probably going to get one at some point in his career. Trey Turner's top three shortstops. Uh, you know, I know he's had some issues in Philly recently, but it's not like he's not going to turn it around and he's already starting to turn it around. Like those are the players you dream to draft and you drafted them all. Like, it's not like you traded for them. You drafted all these guys, you had them and then you let them go to what? Try and draft them again. I just, yeah, Yeah. I I don't get it. The the, the the Oklahoma city thunder, the Oklahoma city thunder of major league baseball. Yeah. Well, that's the same way with the pirates though. And parts were the exact same way. I mean, they had Garrett Cole, uh, you know, just on and on and on and on and on. And you just, it, it's just money, yeah, man. Boy, like, Andrew disgusting. McCutcheon. I mean, they had a ton of a ton of guys yeah. there for a period of time, but yeah, never. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just sickening. Yeah, but 
Yeah. We'll see. I mean, Shohei's uh, <laughs> going to be getting. Uh, uh, um, I mean, that deal. I can't even. It, it, the deal's going to be so big that it's going to be like he could never live up to. Like, I just don't even think he could ever live up to. <laughs> no, it's like he's going to win six Cy Young awards, and <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be a. It's going to be. It's going to be maybe not a billion, but gosh, it's got to be what six hundred million, something like that. Uh, I, I mean, it's going to be know, some absurd man. number. Yes, I mean, and then you just hope. With him doing all this stuff, he's not going to break down early. I mean, you're pitching every five days, and then you're hitting every day that you're not pitching. It's like, whew. Yeah. You got to think that's going to wear down. But, I mean, someone's <laughs> going to give him the money. I mean. Oh, yeah. Somebody. Yeah. I'll be curious uh, to yeah. see where he ends up where he ends up going. But well, why don't we do this? Let's get this thing started. We got uh, we got a ton of stuff to cover. We're, we're we're letting people see behind the uh behind the curtain right now but uh yeah, yeah. we'll get this thing going for real and uh entertain like our it. global audience a little bit so i'll go ahead and count it down and we'll get this rolling all right let's go t-minus 10 9 8 7 6 5 That's right. That's right. Sorry, just looking at all the breaking news here. That's right. You get the Horn Show, Tad and Jeff here. Back again. And uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to roll right into it. Good to see you, brother. You too, man. Ready to do this thing? Yes, sir. Always. We got a, uh, we're going to have a global audience observing our every move. As mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. always do. Um, and, you know, to give you an idea... Most recent reports that we have here are now that uh, nearly 4% of our audience is based in Canada. So our wow. brothers from the north, well, 2% good in the U. What's that? Uh, good, good and talk. That, that's Canadian, right? Yeah, good, yes, good and talk to our friends in yeah. Canada. Yep. Uh, 2% in the UK. Yeah. I think it's also good and talk. Uh, or, yeah, Australia, one point seven percent in Australia and one percent in the Philippines. I won't go below one percent, but we got a whole bunch of them. So, uh, so welcome to the global audience. Welcome, and to anyone who's just found us, uh, welcome to the You Get the Horn Show. Tad and Jeff here as your hosts. We will do what we always do. We will talk about the news of the day. We will talk about the news that we think is interesting, funny stories, interesting things that we've seen or read. Nobody knows uh, what we're going to say about this because we have not rehearsed any of this. This is non-scripted. We know what we're going to talk about roughly ahead of time. And then it just kind of goes where it goes. We don't know what each other's reactions will be. So top of the order, I think maybe we should talk about this whole Northwestern football thing. And this is not a sports show. Again, for people, we're going to be a little front loaded with sports tonight. Uh, We've got a few things back to back. If you don't want to hear that, no problem. Skip ahead because there's going to be lots of non-sports stuff as well. But the beginning of the episode might be a little sports heavy tonight because we've got a lot of crazy breaking stories. And one of them is Northwestern football head coach Pat Fitzgerald this hazing scandal that's been going on and uh, it's, it's been all over the news here recently and things have kind of taken a turn. So uh, Jeff, I know you saw some breaking news just as we were, as we were coming on here. Uh, oh, been a yeah. lot of, lot of questions 
about oh. what was going to happen with this. So, oh yeah. So I mean, literally ten minutes before we came on, news broke that uh, they're at this point going to go ahead and fire uh, Northwestern head coach uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, it seems to. I, from what I can tell, and it's hard because obviously now everything is just breaking. So all we're hearing is fired. Uh, we're hearing reports he's fired, this and that. So we don't really have like the full details of what changed their mind. I, I don't think anything new has come out. I, th- I feel like it was probably more the um, pushback that they got for suspending the guy for two weeks in the middle of summer when nothing was going on. <laughs> Yeah, let's, so let's give some people a, a little bit of background for those who don't know, okay? So, because again, we just talked about we have a global audience here. Not everyone's going to be familiar with this story or know a whole lot about it. So let's talk a little bit about it. So Northwestern uh, University, Northwestern College uh, football team. Uh, and so there were some, some things that came out about hazing uh, among the team. And uh, the players doing a bunch of hazing with uh, with freshmen and stuff and some pretty, pretty terrible things, I think, would be safe to say. And we'll yeah. get into some of those details. I know you have some of them. And Dude, the, the team kind of came out about it and they looked and they said, well, head coach said he didn't know anything about it. So they said, OK, well, you probably should have. So we're going to go ahead and suspend you for two weeks. No idea, as you just alluded to, what they suspended him from because it's in the middle of the summer. There's absolutely nothing happening with football at that time. So it's kind of a strange scenario that they would think that they were suspending him from something. Maybe they just wouldn't let him park in his parking space or something for two weeks. <laughs> right. I guess he's been for two weeks. But then recently, a player at Northwestern came forward uh, to the administration and said that actually head coach Pat Fitzgerald did know about this hazing did know about what was going on and gave further details. And then since then, there's been a lot of pressure on Northwestern to do something about this. So just wanted to kind of give a little background there before you kind of, you know, kind of jump in on some of the, some of the specifics. So, yeah. So, uh, some so specifics, Patrick Gerald now so. fired, officially fired minutes before we're, we're on the show. Correct. Uh, correct. Yep. Okay. All right. So, so take it away from there. Yeah. So this came from the daily Northwestern.com, which, um, from what little I know about Northwestern uh, or, or their magazines or, or online uh, uh, news, it looks to be probably a school uh, type related um, news, but (laughs) there is a lot of stuff that took place. Um, So this is a former player wanted to remain nameless. Um, So he uh, alleges that the team's hazing centered around a practice called uh, or dubbed running, and it's in quotation marks here, which was used to punish team members, primarily freshmen, for mistakes on on the field and in practice. So if a player was selected for running, they would be restrained by a group of eight to ten upperclassmen dressed in various purge-like masks. And purge then, like meaning from the movie the purge from the, like I, I very presume. creepy looking masks yeah and 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 here here's the thing would then begin uh and this is also in quotation marks i'm not sure why it has to be in quotation marks but <laughs> it is begin dry humping the victim in a dark locker room so huh? it's a shocking <laughs> experience as a freshman to see your fellow freshman teammates get ran but then you see everybody by standing in the locker room the player said it's just a really abrasive and barbaric culture that has permeated throughout that program for years on end. 
There's also a uh, the daily uh, obtained images of whiteboards labeled runs giving again in quotation mark and quote Shrek's list containing a list of names indicating players that needed to be quote ran. The player said the tradition, especially common during uh, training camp and around Thanksgiving and Christmas, which he said the team called again, a lot of quotation marks here. Runs giving and runs miss. It's done under the smoke and mirror of, uh, you know, oh, this is team bonding. But but no, he claims that it's sexual abuse. Uh, according to this former team player, uh, team a uh, former player, team members allegedly identified players for running by clapping their hands above their heads around the player. The practice, the player said, was known within the team as the Shrek clap. I don't, I've seen Shrek. I don't remember anyone clapping around Shrek, but I, I don't know. It's been yeah. quite a while. So uh, the daily obtained a video of a player clapping his hands during a game. <laughs> just like, oh, okay. Oh, on. I mean, of course I would think so, but <laughs> the anonymous player that said that motion, uh, the same motion was uh, taken to signify running. So he's claiming that, Whatever clapping was done during the game was the uh, same motion uh, taken to signify uh, running. Now, according to the player, Fitzgerald repeatedly made the signal during practices when players, especially freshmen, made a mistake. So this is where they're mm. saying he knew all along. The players right. believe... Uh, the player believes some players interpreted Fitzgerald making these signals as knowingly encouraging the hazing to continue. Mm. Everyone would just be looking at each other and be like, bro, Fitz knows about this because you wouldn't take that action. Otherwise, everyone joins in because he's the head coach. Now, there's a second player that they um, also spoke with who, again, wanted to remain anonymous, um, also witnessed the action um, being taken. So then, of course, uh, NU hires an independent law firm, Arnett Fox Schiff, to investigate the claims. Lead investigator Maggie Hickey, uh, she was a former inspector general of Illinois, interviewed, of course, coaches, staff, current former players, reviewed thousands of documents. And then according to the release, Hickey's investigation revealed that while former current players varied on their perspective regarding the conduct, the whistleblower's claims were, quote, largely supported by evidence. Hmm. So participation or or not participation in or knowledge of these hazing activities, which were not detailed in the summary, was widespread across NU football players. The investigation found. So now the university sp uh, spokesman John Yates uh, declined to comment on the specific details of the allegation, but <laughs> goes on to say, "Our first priority is to support and protect our students, including student athletes who." had the courage to come forward in this independent investigation. That's, that is why the university immediately opened up the investigation upon learning of the allegations, and we took decisive action once we ascertained the facts. Uh, and then he goes on um, to say, you know, of course, then they talk about putting them on, um, you know, uh, Fitzgerald on unpaid suspension for two weeks uh, in the middle of the summer. Um, and then, you know, of course, he comes out, Fitzgerald's like, you know, I'm disappointed. I didn't know anything about this. And then this is where the university president comes in, Michael Schill, that he believes he, quote, may have erred in weighing the appropriate sanction for Coach Fitzgerald. So maybe. Yeah. So you've already now given him the suspension. And now it's like, ah, 
we may have messed up. We gave the guy a two-week vacation in the middle of the summer. So now they go back in here. Now they're going to go and, you know, obviously now they're going to take and, and, um, and fire the guy. So in addition to this is kind of getting back into this, in addition to running, the whistleblower alleged that he witnessed the team participate in other hazing tradition, traditions in which freshmen were forced to strip naked and perform various acts, include bear crawling and slingshotting them across the floor <laughs> with exercise bands. So they, they had on. to bear crawl and then slingshot themselves across the floor with exercise bands. How does this and make then, you feel closer to your teammates? I have no like, idea. Like, how is it like, okay, freshman, you need to be cool with us. You need to show you're part of the team. And then yeah. that's what you come up with? It's not yeah. even like, you need to wash my car for a month or something. Right. It's no. like... Bear Get crawl naked, naked and slide across the floor. <laughs> now, in a once-a-year tradition dubbed the car wash, the first player said that some players would stand naked at the entrance to the showers and spin around, forcing those entering the shower to basically rub up against a bare-naked man. So you're essentially standing there and just spinning in a circle like a car wash would, yeah. you know, an you automatic like push car your way wash. through them. And then they would uh, essentially hose them down, which the guy said was extremely painful. So they had, apparently had a, a hose in there that then they would uh, um, hose them down. And then he also witnessed and said, um, oh, the player also alleged that he witnessed and was forced to participate. So this kind of, I'm not sure if he meant to say this, but it kind of at least narrows down who the guy is was forced to participate in what was called a naked center quarterback exchange, wherein a freshman quarterback was forced to take an under center snap from a freshman center while both players were naked. And, and it just kind of goes on and on. The second player yeah. confirms the allegations. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, a, a lot of other stuff. They, they did a Gatorade shake challenge where they were just, where they just forced teammates and freshmen to just drink as much uh, Gatorade shakes as they could um, and t in 10 minutes. And he said I, he never saw anyone not throw it up. It's just dumb stuff. I mean, yeah. you, know, you know, they're they're college kids. I mean, they're going to be idiots. You know, we, yeah. we went to college together. We were yeah. <laughs> quite the idiot morons. Yeah. Yeah, for, for the record, we were way better than this. Like, oh, way better than this. <laughs> we were so much more creative than the Northwestern football team. When we were in college, uh, we our stuff that we did, and it wasn't hazing other people necessarily, but the stuff yeah, that we did was far, yeah. exactly. We were far better and far more creative than the Northwestern football team. So I'm disappointed 100%. on multiple levels yeah, in the Northwestern was, football team. And this was years before this, so I mean they've had yeah. plenty of time and to catch up and, and exceed us. But so but that's basically thing, it. I mean, you know, it, yeah, I, I, I just it, it goes on and on and on, but. Um, well, look, we like got they a good about feel it. for it. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like they knew about it. And then the president comes out and says, well, hmm, you know what? Maybe we made a mistake. And and so now the other extreme is let's just fire the guy. Got to so, fire him now. Yeah. yeah. So there's two things, right? And we talk about this type of stuff on the show a lot. Nowadays, and the way the culture is and everything else, you almost have to fire this person. Now, I'm not going to say right now because, uh, again, I, I'm hearing 
like all, this stuff is constantly coming out as breaking. You're reading stuff that's brand new that just got printed a couple of minutes ago. So, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I've done a deep enough dive to truly have my own opinion right now on whether or not he should, meaning he being head coach Pat Fitzgerald, should lose his job over this. He has lost his job over it. But I can tell you that when it happened, when all of this stuff came out, it is very rare that any coach on any level would be able to keep a job with this stuff happening. It's incredibly rare. And setting aside for a moment, what Pat Fitzgerald may have done at Northwestern and, and, and may have overlooked or encouraged or just tolerated setting that aside for a moment. First of all, this hazing stuff is so stupid. I don't even know why people are still doing this. I mean, it's so yeah. dumb. And and if you're if you're an athlete or just I don't care if you're in a fraternity and you're not even an athlete or just a regular student, you look dumb. Don't do it. It's stupid. Yeah. It has nothing yeah. to do with like sensitivities or anything else. It's just dumb. Yeah. You think it's not, but it is. And then the then separate from that is the fact that you're gonna look dumb because it's going to come out. Because every person in the world nowadays has one of these, right? There you go. Here, I got two right here. Right? <laughs> so everybody has at least one and everybody's filming everything all of the time. So the idea that you can do this stuff and then somehow like it's not going to catch up with you, man, it feels right at the time. You're always wrong. You are 100% of the time wrong. And now the thing that's going to be interesting is, and we'll never get a chance to hear the other side of this, but this goes back a little ways. So Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach of Northwestern, he was actually a star linebacker for Northwestern in the nineties. And he's been the head coach there. Yeah. And been there, been the head coach at Northwestern since 2006. So this dude is, is not just like a head coach getting fired. He's an icon at that school. And so this is this is a, a bigger deal than it might be at other schools. And but the, the the fact of the matter is there was no chance. Now I will tell you this. Again, let me preface by saying setting aside whatever Pat Fitzgerald did wrong, Northwestern could not have handled this situation much more poorly than they did. Because when this happens, there's a very simple playbook. It is so easy. You say, we're going to suspend the coach during this investigation. It's the summertime anyway, right? There's, it's a, it's a non-issue. We're going to suspend him during this investigation until we get all the facts. And then when we get all the facts, we'll iron out what our course of action is. But that's not what Northwestern did. What Northwestern did was they said, basically, with a wink and a nod, like, oh, look, the guy's an icon here. He's a big deal. Like, we'll, we'll make a show of it. We'll suspend him for two weeks in the middle of the summer when nothing's happening anyway. So there's no real loss, but it shows that we care and we did something right. They tried to like cheat the system a little bit, but this system can't be cheated. It doesn't work that way. And so now when the investigation inevitably comes out and everything else happens, then you realize like, uh oh, we shouldn't have just suspended the guy for two weeks in the middle of the summer. And now we're the ones that look bad. You had the opportunity to look good collecting all the facts, all the information, and making a very rational, cautious, careful, and fair decision. Instead, you look like you tried to cover it up because of the popularity of the head coach 
and now you got caught. So now you have to go all the way to the other end of the spectrum and fire. Right. Am I missing anything? No. I mean, and that's, that's what it is when the, when the president comes out and says, yeah, maybe, you know, we probably need to rethink this. And like, well, what were you, this wasn't like a, a a whim decision. Clearly they had a whole investigation that was already done. And then you got all the facts and then you say, yeah, two weeks, middle of the summer. So what do you mean? Maybe you should have, um, you know, rethought the process or that should have already been done. Clearly it was done. You just try to sneak this under and say, you know, Throw it out on a, I, I don't know, probably a Friday, you know, just do a, a Friday news dump where it's going to get washed out, you know, with everything mm-hmm. else going on the weekend. No one cares. And the story just kept getting legs and getting legs. Oh, crap. Now you got to come back yeah. out and you've got to reverse everything. And now you went to the extreme end, you know, maybe you suspend them for, you know, you could have maybe suspended them for the year or you could have suspended right. them you know, half of the season or something, you know, and, and probably would have appeased most people because I mean, it, I, <sighs> yes, hazing no one is dumb, died or hazing was seriously injured. And that's right. exactly it. Now there's more stuff coming out where he, and again, this is stuff I did not I, literally this broke 15 minutes before we came on. Yeah. I've seen some things where, you know, they're now claiming he's fostered, um, you know, uh, like a racist atmosphere. Uh, I saw that pop up. And so I don't know what that is. Um, there yeah. could be way, way, way more, um, you know, uh, to that, you know, there was something in there about the um, women's cheerleading, um, you know, being forced to cut their braids, um, you know, African-American women being forced to cut their braids, uh, something with the African-American men, you know, happen to do the same or something under, under Fitzgerald. So, you know, kind of that whole fostering of, um, a racist atmosphere. I don't know. Again, we just got on this just broke. So could any of that be true? Maybe, maybe that's the new stuff that came out. Uh, didn't sound like it, but maybe that's, uh, you know, now, of course, now there's way more stuff that comes out. And then how it always goes, though, yep, someone does right. something and then all of a sudden it's just a news dump upon a dump yep. upon a dump. And then all this stuff comes out and you're like, where did all this stuff come yeah, from? Yeah, who knew this all the time? Who knew right. that all this information all, this whole time yeah. and didn't use it? And now everyone has it. Yeah, especially this day and age, you know, with like, oh, you know, if someone's being forced to cut their hair, you know. I, yeah. How is none deal of that people. stuff? Yeah. Like, how is that not coming out? You know, like how, how yeah. did that not come out until after he gets fired? Then all of a sudden. So, you know, I take that with a grain of salt because again, uh, I didn't do any research. It was just something that popped up on my timeline of like, Hey, yeah. also this. So maybe there's <laughs> way more well, to it. But there is the other part of that too, which is it's going to be very interesting. What the Northwestern administration knew. And didn't do anything about as you're yeah, talking it, about some of these things about forcing haircuts and different things like that. I would yeah. be surprised. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'd be surprised if none of those students ever complained to anyone and got swept under the rug. It would be surprising. Yeah. No, I, I guarantee. You. And it's probably, you know, they, according to the article I had read that like they had gone to the administration about things and, you know, and they said that the administration was understanding and you know and looked into stuff but didn't really seem like you know during the whole process of when they were saying something that 
they really took any action, obviously. So yeah. I don't know how much yeah, they've swept under the rug. And then if this keeps going, and that could have just been, you know, Fitzgerald is the old sacrificial lamb at this point. Like, hey, let's just cut bait and hope yep. it all goes away so we keep our jobs, you know. Because, yeah, yeah this, that whole Penn State scandal, which was a million times worse <laughs> than this scandal could oh, ever yeah. possibly be. But that that just snowballed into many, many heads rolling, you know, so it's, um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, so there's probably way more to it. If it's just that, I don't know. It had, they come out with a stricter, uh, uh, you know, punishment at that point, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe this would have blown over, but they didn't, they gave him two weeks. So no, you tried to do the slap on the wrist and then, you know, yeah, now you got caught. And, and then, and then there, like, then there's no longer a middle ground. No, like that's the thing that's frustrating. Cause you nailed yeah. the, You hit the nail on the head earlier when you said maybe they could have gotten away with suspending him for a year before. And then guess what? It gets forgotten about. Now I'm not saying yeah. that's the right thing, but it's what would have happened. You know, yeah, Fitzgerald you- will be out for a year. Then he'd come back the following season. And then, you know, the team gets back to normal and whatever you're able to get past it. And you're able to keep, you know, this icon of your program, still in that elevated type of role and, yeah. and, 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 you know, and, and have that perception of him be really good. But now it's all shot. Like, and, and that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's dicey. So, yeah. So anyway, the Northwestern head coach, Pat Fitzgerald fired after this hazing incident. And I don't know what you do with him after this. Like, I don't know what's next for him. I mean, does he get another job? Are our teams scared of this? I, I would say two, three years from now, there's every possibility that he gets back into the game. I could, but I mean, it's not like Northwestern was some powerhouse football team. I mean, geez, right. he's true. He had a losing record in the Big Ten, um, barely a winning record. I think he was 109 and 101 or something like that in his career there. So he lasted way longer. Now, I don't know, maybe Northwestern is just way more difficult to get into than, say, uh, a Michigan or Ohio State or something. Right. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, it, it, you know, it's not like this dude set the world on fire as a, right. as a football coach. So maybe. I, I mean, I people are going to stay away from, away from him for a long time. So hopefully he's uh, saved his money up and we'll see <laughs> if his contract gets paid out or if uh, his contract um, gets null and voided for, you know, for cause that'll be interesting because you're right i mean so pat fitzgerald is 48 years old he finishes his time at northwestern with a 110 and 101 record so nine more wins than losses he had two big 10 west division titles and five bowl wins and of course as we know bowl wins nowadays mean almost nothing because there are about 214 different bowls it's not like it used to be so the, the idea of bowl wins that that schools still talk about that is like, I mean, pretty soon they'll have like bowls for high school teams to be able to claim that they won as well. So sure. bowls don't really mean anything. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think Northwestern football is going to be so much worse off without Pat Fitzgerald there coaching it when right. you have a sample size of 211 games uh, <laughs> from a head coach and you only win 110 of them. Uh, 200, yeah, 211 game total. If you have a sample size of a 211 games from a head coach and, and you lost 101 of them, you're not great, right? That's just what it is. And, and so, yeah, I don't see him going to, uh, you know, Ohio state after, uh, after this, no matter what happens. Right. So, yeah, but 
that kind of leads into a story that uh, is similar in some ways and different in some ways. And that is, boy, this is, you know, every time you think you've heard of like, okay, now I've heard it all. Now I've heard every way that a coach could get fired or resign or quit in protest or any number of things that could happen. Some creative guy comes out there or gal and finds a new way to accomplish the goal. And today we're going to talk about former-ish West Virginia basketball coach Bob Huggins. And this is one of the weirder ways that you ever could leave a job (laughs) that you'll ever hear. So uh, long story short, Bob Huggins uh, gets busted for driving under the influence Uh, he has a breathalyzer and they determined that his blood alcohol content was more than twice the legal limit. Now this was June 16th. This was not (laughs) that long ago. It was a month ago, basically. And I think if I, if I heard this correctly, and I haven't, I haven't like researched this quite enough. I heard though that he was, I believe driving home from a Taylor Swift concert. (laughs) fantastic if he was i I swear i believe i heard that i i don't quote me on that i need to look i'm gonna like if you you can look it up while i'm talking or something to see if i'm right because i'll try to find it too but i feel like that's what i had heard but regardless (laughs) june 16th he gets busted in pittsburgh for driving under the influence so bob huggins well i know there was a taylor swift concert there in pittsburgh so that is very possible okay okay Now we're going to find out. So Bob Huggins, for those who don't know, is a very, would you say legendary college basketball coach? Uh, yeah, I mean. Here below I, legendary. He's uh, he's right there. Yeah. I mean, if he's not legendary, he's a Hall of Fame basketball coach, minimally. Like, he would definitely be a Hall of Famer. Very successful uh, college basketball coach. He's coached in a few different places. He's currently most or most recently been at West Virginia University. So he gets this DUI in mid-June, and his resignation was announced by the university the following night. He had uh, sent in a notice to the school that he was going to be resigning. Uh-huh. Now, Bob Huggins has come back. And said, I never resigned. And I want my job back immediately. And the school says, well, we have your resignation letter (laughs) sent to us electronically. However, there is a twist. The letter was sent to the school by his wife's account, not his account. And attorneys have said that typically in a standard contract... You, as the person under contract, have to be the one to submit anything in writing as it pertains to your contract. A family member cannot submit anything for you as it pertains to a contract. That makes sense. Now, I've dealt with this in in, in my career before in jobs with contract uh, disputes and things where you might have, uh, uh, whether it's a business or an individual, let's say a, a husband signs a contract. And then the wife finds out about it later because she didn't know. And she contacts you and says, hey, uh, we need to cancel that contract. 
She can't because the contract's not in her name, right? And so you have the same thing. An elderly parent and then the son or the daughter contacts you say, hey, we want to cancel that contract. Well, you need to have them cancel the contract. You can't cancel the contract. And so Bob Huggins is essentially saying, I never formally, officially, technically, legally, however you want to put it, I never resigned and I want my job back and I want it back immediately. And if I don't get it back, I'm going to sue the school. Um, pretty great. This reminded me of, uh, uh, <laughs> is it, what was it Costanza that flipped out? <laughs> George Costanza flips out, quits, and comes back to work the next day. And is just oh, like, yeah, what? Just you like, believe that? I, I was just joking around. <laughs> yes. It's exactly the same type of thing. Bob Huggins yes. is essentially the George Costanza of yeah. men's college basketball. All right. So I have a just real quick, a little update yes. to the Taylor Swift uh, controversy. So okay. Uh, Pittsburgh police confirmed to CBS Sports on Saturday that the blotter posting by the public information officer, Kara Cruz, um, was an official account of Huggins' arrest that happened approximately a half a mile from Akashur Stadium, which hosted a highly anticipated Taylor Swift concert on Friday night. So we don't know for sure he was there, mm. but why else would you be within a half a mile of Akashur Stadium? Yeah, Unless on the night the of a Taylor Swift concert, concert, you're not going to be yeah. a half a mile away from the stadium just hanging out uh, for right. any other reason and drunk. No. And drunk. So the, real question, <laughs> the real controversy is, does anyone out there have video footage of Bob Huggins <laughs> drunk at the Taylor Swift concert in Pittsburgh, June 16th? <laughs> if so, send it into the You Get the Horn show. We want to see it. We cannot pay for content, but, no. <laughs> but we'll we can show appreciation. Credit. That's yeah, right. Sure. We yeah, will give we'll... attribution to anyone who can send that into us. We want your video evidence of Bob Huggins being drunk at the Taylor Swift show in Pittsburgh, June 16th. If you send in video evidence of Bob Huggins drunk at other Taylor Swift shows, we will accept it, mm -hmm. but we will not give attribution because we're only looking for the Pittsburgh yeah. yes. concert June 16th. <laughs> I'll be very specific. Pittsburgh, June 16th. Bob Huggins drunk videos, we will accept them happily. Because you yes. know someone has to have seen it. Even if they didn't it's know. To, go yeah. back. If you were at the Taylor Swift concert in Pittsburgh on June 16th, you definitely took a bunch of videos. Scroll through your phone and see, look up Bob Huggins and see if in the background of any of your videos <laughs> you happen to see Bob Huggins. Oh my gosh. He was there. Fantastic. Would it be if someone actually did have it and send it to us? <laughs> That's the that's the hope, man. That would be oh, great. You want that's the reason to go viral right there. That's exactly it. Our white <laughs> our white whale. <laughs> I love it. So but he yeah, pretty I mean, much this... just wants to um, either. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he's probably just wanting his money at this point. Well, like, no, now you got to fire me officially yeah. so I can get paid yeah. because I, I don't. Yeah, but I mean, did his wife then just write the? the the email uh, I mean, was she so mad that she was like because i mean what what like who does that like who writes it and it was like oh no that wasn't me that was my wife why did your <laughs> wife write that like exactly. <laughs> was that a prank what yeah so here's what i have on that so 
West Virginia, now this is coming from the college, right? West Virginia University said Huggins met with his players and members of the basketball staff on June 17th. So the very next day. So he next sobered day. up. He came in the next day. Maybe he wasn't he met with, at that point. I don't yeah, know. Exactly, still been drunk. He came in June 17th to announce that he would no longer be coaching the team. The school said that Huggins clearly communicated his resignation and retirement in writing and that both parties have reasonably relied on that resignation and retirement notification in a number of ways since then. Now, the university has provided the Associated Press with a copy of a notice sent by Huggins' wife the same day, and it read, Please accept this correspondence as my formal notice of resignation as WVU head basketball coach, and as notice of my retirement from West Virginia University, effective immediately. The notice was sent from an email address associated with June Huggins, Bob Huggins' wife, with a signature indicating that it was sent via iPhone. It was sent to the school's email address uh, and did not appear to be a text message. And... West Virginia Athletic Director Ren Baker responded an hour later by writing, We accept your resignation and wish you the best in retirement. We appreciate your many years of dedication to WVU. And less than an hour after that, the university released two statements. One of them announced Huggins' resignation. The other was titled, A Message from Bob Huggins to the WVU Community, and began, Today, I have submitted a letter... <laughs> To President Gordon Gee or G Gee and Vice President and Director of Athletics Ren Baker informing them of my resignation and intention to retire as head men's basketball coach at West Virginia University effective immediately. So that's a hard one to say, like, nope, I did not <laughs> did not resign. You can't prove it. It's so odd. I don't get it. Like, I don't get yeah. it. Do you think uh you think June Huggins has a like a, a Juno account? Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be some old account yeah right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> june evans at juno.com <laughs> no one will even remember juno like nobody who's talking who's watching no. this right now will know what the heck look it up uh -huh. <laughs> it's still out there <laughs> june but yes yeah, so, i mean Huggins long story short yeah, long story short, Bob Huggins got a DUI, resigned in writing to the school the next day, uh -huh. met with the players, and clearly resigned, and now has come back and said, nah, I did not resign, and I want my job back immediately. To, of course, you hit the nail on the head, the school is going to now have to officially fire him, and then would have to pay out the remainder of his contract. It's and only look, if this. Be. It has to be, right? There couldn't be any more than that. I mean, can you just say, well, listen, I was still blackout drunk. I don't remember, so it doesn't count. <laughs> it's possible. I was I mean, it can't hurt. I mean, he seems to be very, like, very gutsy on everything else the way yeah. he's playing this. So why not? Yeah. That is so odd. It's got to be. Like, crap. I should have just let myself get fired. Like, he just had, like, he immediately had remorse, buyer's remorse. <laughs> yeah. Retiring. Because I'm assuming if he retires, he probably doesn't. Like, I don't even know if that's the case. Maybe there's something in the contract that he still gets so much money if he retires. But I presume yeah. if he quits that they're not going to pay him. But I don't know. 
for sure. But if that's the case, or if it's not the case, then I don't know. Like he's got to just be playing the man. I was still drunk. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't accept that. Like I wasn't in my right mind. And in which case they're going to be like, well, look, we got to fire you anyway. So. <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's the way you should play it. Yeah. It's like, look, I'm drunk right now. I'm currently like, drunk. Yeah. What? I mean, what are you going to do? Fire me? Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. you would. Yeah. Which at that, that point, I would have to assume for cause. But I, I, I mm. don't know. Uh, it's such a weird thing. I mean, I, the only thing I again, the only thing I can guess is just is just to see if he can get more money out of out of the team. <laughs> well, there is really... his his attorney has said that Huggins does not desire litigation. Rather, he is simply looking for the correction of a clear breach of his employment agreement with WVU. So, you know, like the, the, the school clearly breached the agreement, not not drunk Bob Huggins at a Taylor Swift yeah. concert who also sent in his resignation. He's not the problem. This is a school issue, but yeah. we're willing to remedy it and keep it super simple. We don't need to make this messy for anybody. No, we don't want to litigate. Just pay us what's remaining <laughs> on that on that contract that I just re-signed. That's, that's the only thing it can possibly be. I mean, yeah. and how does it, how does attorney keep a straight face on that stuff? I guess if I there's know. an opportunity to make one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars. You just, yeah. you just take a straight face and be like, "Oh my yeah, god!" You're not sitting there trying to advise Bob Huggins to not pursue this. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're like, "No, you're right, Bob. You want to go after yeah. this?" I say, "Let's do it to let's the fullest it, extent of the law." Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I mean, again, we hit on this earlier, but I just want to be like clear so that people understand. So Bob Huggins is sixty nine years old. He's the third winningest coach all time in Division One men's college basketball. He has 935 wins. He trails only Mike Krzyzewski of Duke, who has 1,202, and Jim Beheim of Syracuse, who has 1,015. And both of those guys are retired. Yeah. So realistically, Bob Huggins could just keep hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, and end up as the winningest coach in men's college basketball history. And yeah, maybe that's 69. why he decided to come back. Yeah, yeah he's 69 yeah. years old. I mean, he could definitely coach for another five, seven years or longer if he wanted to. I mean, how long did John Wooden coach? I feel like he was like 87 or something when he retired. Yeah. He looked it, yeah. but things looked, it, people looked a lot older back then. They really so, did. Yeah. <laughs> really weird. You see really old weird. pictures and dude, like, he looks like so old. You know, oh, he's 37 in that picture. 37, <laughs> yeah. he has wooden teeth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so weird. Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. I, my old newspaper back uh, in, um, uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, you, the people will put ads in there and, you know, it'd be like, Lordy, Lordy, look who's 40. And right. it'd be a picture of the guy and it'd be like, dang, is this what I'm going to look like when I'm 40? <laughs> and the answer was yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. People are going to look at pictures of us uh, at our, in our 40s and be like, good Lord. This oh guy looks like the Crypt Keeper. Gosh, what happens? <laughs> But anyway, Bob Huggins is no joke. I mean, he's a very, 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 like we talked about earlier. I mean, he is, he is, you know, one of the winningest coaches in history. Yeah, the I only mean, thing with Bob Huggins, the only thing not on his resume, he has not won a national title. He took Cincinnati yes. to the final four in 1992. He took West Virginia to the final four in 2010. He's in the basketball hall of fame. He, he got into the basketball hall of fame last September in 41 seasons. Bob Huggins' teams went to 25 NCAA tournaments. 
and finished ranked in the AP top 10 seven times. And since he's been with uh, West Virginia, they made 11 NCAA tournament appearances. So, I mean, the guy's a very legit coach, uh, but apparently a very legit Taylor Swift fan and a very legit alcohol fan and uh, causing some issues for him. Causing some issues. Freaking Taylor Swift, man. Uh, She gets her her hooks in you. You don't know. Things get crazy at these shows. Yeah. That's the the angle you haven't seen a lot about this Bob Huggins story is the Taylor Swift involvement. Like, what Mm -hmm. responsibility does Taylor Swift have? Mm-hmm. If Bob Huggins wasn't so entertained that fateful June 16th night in Pittsburgh, maybe he stays sober, but he's having no. too much fun. He's enjoying himself too much. Well, it, it sounds like he did have way too much fun because it sounds like Taylor Swift <laughs> went on at about eight o'clock and by eight thirty he's arrested. So he couldn't even <laughs> stick around for her. He was just there for the opening acts, apparently. Yeah. Maybe he was dropping like family members off, but he's already <laughs> hammered driving there to drop them off and then still like uh, Or he's just hanging out in the parking lot, you know, just yeah. tailgating, you know. Ah, I'm get out of here. All right, you kids. <laughs> I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up in a few hours. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and have a few more natty ices and then I'll pick you up. I'm drinking the garage and I'll pick you up in a little while. Yeah, what is Bob Huggins, uh, Huggins' drink of choice? It's got to be something like that, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got. I mean, it's old school for sure. Oh, it's old school. Yeah, it's old school. Okay. Yeah, he's like. Uh, I mean, I don't know enough about Bob Huggins. Not that I've like. I know enough. Sure. <laughs> I mean, no I just, about Bob I'm not looking to know more about Bob Huggins. <laughs> I know enough. I yeah. shouldn't say I don't know enough. I know more than enough, but. Uh, mm. But I can tell you that he is f- from Morgantown, West Virginia. That's where he's oh, yeah. from. So, so he's coaching a- like his hometown team right now. And um, so, yeah. So what are you drinking if you're in Morgantown, West Virginia? Boy, that's a tough one. I don't know. We'll have to think about that one. I All mean, right, on a Taylor Swift Let's... night, I mean, it could it could easily be a Miller High Life on a Taylor Swift night, but that's not going to be every night. Now, according to uh, Beer Advocate, the top-rated beers in West Virginia are uh, Halleck Pale Ale, okay. Holy Citra uh, Deepa, which is an Imperial I- IPA, oh boy, Six-Legged Frog, Bourbon Barrel Porter, Double Pit, South Park, Big Boy Pants. Um, I feel like it's none of these, though. No, I, he's I not drinking like anything that advanced. No, this is way too advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Bob Huggins is drinking like Natty Ice or something. He's got to be. Milwaukee's yeah. best. Milwaukee's you know, best. Something Bush like Light. That. Yeah, yeah, Bush Light, something to that effect. Yeah, not. he's not yeah. drinking any of these. Yeah, Six oh. Like a Frog. I'm seeing that a lot here. Something Ales in Davis. It's an IPA, yeah. Hmm. Check it out. There we go. All right, so why don't we move on from Bob Huggins, um, as West Virginia's trying to do, and uh, and talk. (laughs) (laughs) Can't seem to get rid of him. But uh, we'll move on here. So, so uh, the last little bit of sports, I think, that we're going to talk about, and this is just kind of like a, a cross of a few different things. We were talking about it a little bit in the intro before the show actually started. And just like what is going on with these these incredible young players that we're seeing now, the the 
players that are really good but aren't leaving teams that they should leave and and in some ways are you know kind of wasting their their careers unfortunately on some some teams and there were a few things to talk about and so one of them and i'm actually going to give a shout out to our buddy damon damon's big fan of the show always watches the show watches our videos comments on them all the time he asked the other day if we had uh, done anything yet on Victor Wembanyama, and the answer was not really. We've barely mentioned him, maybe, but we hadn't really done a done a whole lot, and we're still not going to do a whole lot. But but at least if nothing else, we can bring it up because so the NBA is having the summer league right now. Victor Wembanyama, for those who don't know, was is the most hyped prospect. What would you say since LeBron James? I mean, mm. it's hard to imagine Man, anyone more hyped coming in than Victor Wembanyama. If there is, I, I it's slipping my mind. I mean, it, it yeah, I, I don't, yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, I'd say he's the most the most hyped prospect since LeBron James, and so he comes in and he plays in the first game of the summer league, and is not impressive. Uh, I don't have the stats from the first game in front of me, but I, it was like he had five points or something like that. And just, yeah, you know, there, there wasn't a lot, a lot of good stuff happening. I don't know if you have the stats. I just don't have them in front of me right now. Um, I, I don't <laughs> have it right in front of me. I know the second game went way much better than the uh, last game, but uh, uh, the first game, but yeah, it was, it, I mean, he still ended up with a ton of blocks and things like that. So, I mean, I guess not awful, but he even come out and said, he had no idea what he was doing. So it was yeah. kind of, uh, oh, it was refreshing to see, um, you know, it, it uh, you know, definitely was uh, nice for him to come out and say, yeah, I, I don't, I had no clue. So, yeah. Well, so I found it here. So his first game, he scored nine points, had eight rebounds and five blocks, which isn't terrible, but he shot two of 13 from the field. Yeah. Uh, so he shot about 15%, which is not what you would want to see happen. But then he, he comes dunked, out in the second game. Too. Yeah, see, well, then yeah, he comes we... out in the second game and he has 27 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks. He shot nine of 14 from the field, two of four for three pointers. And the guy is what? I think seven foot five. So you have a seven foot five player shooting three pointers. Uh, you know, that's the talent that people are so obsessed with, with Victor Wembanyama. And now the Spurs, he plays for the San Antonio Spurs. They've already announced they're shutting him down. He's not playing anymore in the summer league. So they're not going to risk any injury to this guy. For those who haven't seen him, I mean, he's got to put on some weight. This guy is super skinny, very thin guy. I mean, again, he's 7'5". I think he's like 7'5", 190 pounds or something ridiculous. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, soaking wet, I'm sure, probably with his clothes on, literally his clothes soaked. Um, <laughs> I wasn't actually that far off. 7'5", 209 pounds. Goodness gracious. It's crazy, crazy thin. He weighs less than I weigh, and he's seven foot five. Now he is so, claiming seven three two twenty five. So whoa, it looks well, like maybe he bulked up and shrank. I don't know. Yeah. I'm pulling it right <laughs> off his Wikipedia page. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This uh, this is uh, directly on ESPN's uh, website. Seven three two twenty five. So okay. somewhere between seven three and seven five, and somewhere between one ninety and two twenty five. <laughs> So, yeah <laughs> jeez but either he way looks, regardless yeah. and he looks like skinny. a twig out there yeah yeah so they shut him down now he won't play anymore in the in the summer league 
Uh, and, you know, this incredibly hyped prospect. And so, you know, needless to say, the Spurs seem like a good team for Weminyama to be on uh, in terms of just being able to slow down the hype uh, and keep him. Like, they're not a team that will just kind of, I don't know, kowtow to what the what the fans want to see and just be like, screw it, as a rookie, we're going to pay him, play him 40 minutes a night. Like, that's not that team. They don't care. Uh, and so though, if they want to play him five minutes a night, that's what they're going to do. They don't care what the fans have to say about it. Um, so I do think from that perspective, Wembenyama probably went to the best team he could have in the San Antonio Spurs. Cause I do yeah. think they will protect him. Yeah, I think so. And they just gave Popovich, that gave him another contract extension, yeah. which they were, did you see the, the, <laughs> did you see how much he was getting? So he's going to be, end up being the highest paid, um, coach. Um, it, it was, uh, it, it, it was a lot. Um, I'm trying to pull it up now here. I didn't, uh, so he's 74 years old uh, at this <laughs> and he signed an eight year or sorry, five year, $80 million contract. Not bad. <laughs> he's 74. Not bad. He's going to be 79. when this is again, crazy. Nothing else to do with his life. Uh, it, why even yeah. take eighty million at this point? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do with it? You're going to be almost eighty years old when this contract ends. Probably will, depending on when his birthday falls. <laughs> right, eighty years right. old. What are you going to do with eighty million dollars? <laughs> yeah, so come on, Popovich. Yeah, just, you don't need all uh, that. You don't need it. I, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'll, I, I'm just going to keep my opinion on Popovich to myself. I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I know everyone thinks he's the greatest basketball coach, like alive apparently, but um, he hadn't done much without his, uh, his big people. So we'll see what happens now that they have Wembenyama. Um, yeah. Wembenyama. 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 I believe it's Wembenyama. Um, yeah, no, agreed. I'll be curious to see what they do for sure. And, you know, Look, I mean, this is a this is a high risk, high reward player. It's almost impossible for a Victor Wembanyama to live up to the hype, and they need to protect him and control that hype as best they can. And you know, it reminds me of another player who kind of we thought the same thing about different sport, but it's almost impossible to live up to the hype, which was Shohei Otani, and. I don't think there's any argument. Shohei Otani has lived up to the hype. I mean, this is a bizarre freak of nature player in baseball. And again, for the casual fan, for my mother, we talked about last week, I accidentally said my mother's favorite show in the intro. And then we went back my mother's second favorite show. We are my mother's second favorite show. My mother's favorite show is Jeopardy. You get the horns is her second favorite show. Love you, mom. Know you're watching. Yeah. legitimately her second favorite show but yeah. nothing distant will surpass jeopardy. yeah d- 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 distant second well see yeah. there's jeopardy with alex trebek there's jeopardy with ken jennings realistically there might be our show there because she is not a mayim bialik fan oh, as, head, as, as okay. the as a host of jeopardy she does not like uh mayim bialik too much mm-hmm. so then mm-hmm. there's an opportunity where we could sneak in Okay. If Mayim Bialik ever gets her act together, though, then her version of Jeopardy would certainly slot above us, and then we're we're in the fourth position. But either way, way it's a great spot to be. Sure, no, 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 no room for complaints there. But no. to the casual fan or non-fan, even Shohei Otani is something that he plays for the Angels. 
No one on the East Coast pays any attention to the Angels. They're always terrible. So the casual fan doesn't need to really take them into consideration at all. Shohei Otani is a Japanese player who is both a hitter and a pitcher. And he does both incredibly well. (laughs) He could be an all-star player as both a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, So it's amazing. And now they're saying that Shohei Otani may have just had the best month in the history of Major League Baseball. So I'm going to bring this this information to you. This is straight from Jeff Passan with uh, ESPN. And this, this will kind of give you a frame of reference of what Shohei Otani has done just last month. In the modern era that started in 1900, upwards of 20,000 men have played Major League Baseball. Over that time, there have been well over 1 million individual months of baseball played. And toward the end of June, one person's awe-inspiring day-after-day performance prompted a question that seemed worth trying to answer. Is Shohei Otani having the best single month in baseball history? Now, you can go through and look at everything that you want to find to pull all the different stats, and I'm not going to bore people with going through every single thing. But for the month of June, Shohei Otani batted 394. He led the major leagues in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, home runs, RBIs, extra base hits, and total bases. Jeez. He also threw 30 and a third innings as a pitcher, at a 3.26 ERA, 37 strikeouts, and an opponent slash line of 228, 302, and 368. So what we're saying is opponents hit 228 against Shohei Otani as a pitcher at the same time that he basically led the majors in every single category as a hitter. It's it's just never even been, there's nothing close to what Shohei Otani's doing right now. Uh, you could look at him as a phenomenal pitcher, and then you could look at him as a phenomenal pitcher. I mean, sorry, hitter. And he's both, and he's doing it at the same time. And it's being wasted on a team like the Anaheim Angels. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're currently uh, seven games back. Uh, yeah. Lost five straight, one to nine in their last ten. Uh, it, so it, baseball is like, I guess that's maybe why I, I, I do enjoy baseball and football so much is it's just the ultimate team sport and yeah. maybe baseball more than anything else because you know in football if you have a Tom Brady if you have a Patrick Mahomes you always have a chance but in baseball one player literally he tries to do it all and he can I think there was a, a, a gosh I, I wish I had it up and I saw it quickly the other night they had lost a game and he literally had like I mean, the numbers were just ridiculous what he did. And he put up like, I don't think he had three RBIs, five runs scored, just something ridiculous, right? And they still lost the game. And it was like, it it just goes to show you like one, one guy doesn't really make all that difference in baseball. At least it doesn't appear to be. Uh, And he's putting up great numbers, but for what, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, people are coming, you know, I mean, opposing cities, they're selling out, they're, they're 
you know, when he's playing, they're selling out their stadiums. Yeah. Angels are still selling out there. So, I mean, he's, he, he's just, he is a freak of nature and people are coming to watch it. I mean, it just reminds me of like Barry Bonds when he was That's in exactly his absolute what I was thinking. prime. Yep. Uh, people just couldn't <clears throat> wait to get there to see what he was doing. Barry was only doing it with the bat, but, um, yeah. you know, it, it, it it's phenomenal what he's doing, but it feels like, okay. I mean, what, what's it going to mean in the, in the grand scheme of things? Like when it's all said and done, like if you go yeah. down as, could he possibly go down as the greatest player of all time? If he never even sniffs a world series, you know, and greatest of all he time, he won't be you know, thought of like that. Right. He won't be thought of like that. Probably except he may, because of the pitching aspect, like to do both. Like think about part of Babe Ruth's legend is people talk about, oh, man, you, but he was a phenomenal pitcher until he quit doing that to focus on hitting. But what if Otani never quits pitching? Like, there's never been anyone that did that at, at this level. But you're right. I mean, if you don't win, it it it, it, it people don't think of you as, as a true, as, as the best or potentially one of the very, very best players if you don't win. Think about Dan Marino, if he had won that Super Bowl, whole different ballgame in terms of his his legacy and how he's thought of. Right? He's still thought of as a great quarterback, but it'd be very different if he had won a Super Bowl or two. Where would Jim Kelly rank if he won four straight Super Bowls instead of go. losing four straight Super Bowls? Right. We He yeah. would be up there in the top two or three quarterbacks of all time. Like, he would have to be. You win four straight Super Bowls, you are going to be mentioned up there. You're going to be mentioned among the greats. And don't get me wrong, Jim Kelly's a Hall of Famer phenomenal football player he was you know great went to four straight super bowls but is never ever mentioned up there in that you know i guess uh, it probably gets thrown around a lot but whatever it's the best analogy i can come up the mount rushmore of you know all-time quarterbacks right Uh, he's never mentioned in that pantheon of those quarterbacks had he won though those super bowls he'd be on there for sure I mean, without yep. a doubt, he'd be on there for sure. So, yeah, I mean, to be playing as well as Otani's playing, and now your team is one game under five hundred, and you're seven games out, which is still not – you can still make that up. But now Mike Trout's on the DL. He's going to be on there for an extended period of time. It seems like time is finally catching up to Trout, even though he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. You know, time is starting to catch up. The injuries are starting to come up. Now, this was, you know, like one of those freak Hammett bone injuries where they just swing the bat and, you know, the way they're holding the bat breaks, you know, piece of bone in the hand. You know, it's kind of freak, but that's kind of what all of his injuries have been. have just been these freak things that just keep coming back and nagging. I just, it's just such a shame. He's got to be gone, right? I mean, he, he. He's got to go elsewhere. Now, I know there's a lot of people that still think he could sign back with the angels just because of his comfortability with it. You know, I, I, you know, he's, he has people there, um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why he picked Anaheim to begin with. But I mean, Boston comes calling with a $600 million contract. Um, You know, the, the Yankees come calling. Is he not gonna, is he going to turn it down? Uh, It's tough. I mean, so, well, here's the thing, right? And if you are, the Angels, you have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout on the same team at the same time, and you haven't been able to put anyone else around them to be a legitimate contender. 
You deserve to lose both of them. However, the Angels need to sell tickets. So my guess is you're going to let one of those players go and you're going to try everything humanly possible to keep the other one. And I think the most likely one that they would be able to keep is going to be Mike Trout. Well, I, I think mean, Otani it, probably leaves. Yeah, and it's hard to find maybe a trade partner. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm sure Trout probably has a no trade clause. Uh, I'm sure they gave him the works when he signed that huge, massive contract yeah. with them. So you've already, you know, you're I, you're probably stuck. I mean, I, I, I guarantee there, there would be teams <clears throat> that would give up a ton of stuff to get Mike Trout, but yeah. you'd be giving up a lot more to, um, to you know, to get Otani. And then there we are at the trade deadline now. What do the Angels do? If you, yeah. you I, that's a serious conversation you would have to have with Shohei Otani. Set him down. What, what are your, give, give us your realistic expectations for us and for this team? Because if not, hey man, let's get you to a contender and, you know, let us, you know, accumulate picks because there's going to be, teams out there at the trade deadline, they can get him. We'll give up the, I mean, half their farm oh, system yeah. for him. Which 100%. might be a better way for them to go. Cause clearly they can't just purchase players like, like they try to do. So, yeah. Um, so well, I mean, think about Otani on a team with some, with some <clears throat> coverage around him, a good batter before him, after him sandwiched in, you hide him in the middle yeah. or you put him in cleanup. I mean, it's like right now, yeah, they have Trout, they have Otani, they have no one else. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know there are other players on the team. Angels fans are going to be, you know, angry at us for saying there's no one else. But the reality is you got two really legit players. And, you know, but if you could, I would never want to see this, but if you plugged an Otani into like the Yankees lineup or something like that, you know, or like any of these other teams, even Tampa. But here's the thing. Who is going to be able to pay him? It's looking like Shohei Otani will likely get a five to six hundred million dollar contract. And I love this. I saw this recently and I pulled this. So Spot Track, who, you know, they always talk about, you know, like contract values yeah. and everything else. So they recently revealed contract valuations for Otani. And if you want to have if there were any confusion, at all, if there was any confusion about how good Shohei Otani is, these are the valuations that they put on what the 28-year-old Shohei Otani would warrant having as a pitcher and as a hitter. If he were a pitcher, he could sign an eight-year, $230 million deal if he were only a pitcher. And as a hitter... 10 years, $333 million. Those two things combined are $563 million. Currently, the largest contract is Mike Trout's 12-year, $426.5 million extension. Needless to say, 12 years, $426 million is nothing compared to 10 years, $563 million. There you go. It's crazy. And I mean, obviously you have things too about, you know, Fernando Tatis um, and, you know, in his big extension and all these, but nothing is going to come close to no. what Shohei Otani. Now, the question is who can pay it and who will pay it? And I That's have it. no idea, but I'm very curious to see. So the the trade deadline would strictly be just to try and win a World Series this year. And so you yeah. you would give up. 
you may not be able to give up as much, uh, being that there's not as much control that, that they would have on him. It's not like they have another year or two years with him, but you're going to get, you You would be getting a couple players in, as far as top 10 prospects um, in a farm system for sure. So yeah. I tell you, a team that would, oh, man, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Um, I follow the <laughs> Nationals a lot, too. Um, yeah. You know, the Pirates had a chance uh, at the beginning of the year. You know, late May, they had the best record in the NL. And now, you know, there's nine games, six games under 500. Um, when that NL, you know, when the Central was just up for grabs, you know, they had a chance to take it. But they, but they didn't. Now, a team that's there... And is making noise is the Cincinnati Reds. It's crazy. It's crazy when you think about what the Reds are doing right now with Ellie Dela Cruz. And uh, I mean, they have a phenomenal young lineup. Now, do they have the money? Are they going to spend the money that amount of money? That's a monster. And they got to sign Ellie at some point. Yep. So and do, he's going but... to be a monster contract himself. I have no idea. I mean, he's so young, though. I mean, they still have a little bit of time for him. But yeah, still, they still have I mean... time. So Ooh. this would just be, again, probably just a, we weren't expected to be here. And this is why everyone was saying the Pirates, you know, when they had that record, like should have been trying to make moves, should have been trying to do things. And, you know, uh, you, you know, the GM was just like, you know, pretty much came out and, and said, like, yeah, we're we're playing over what we should be right, right now. Came out and guys, said we're that. the pirates. We're the pirates. Yeah, Calm I mean, that's down. pretty much what it was. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're playing way better than we should be. Like, we're we're just gonna keep the same. It's like, no, man, no. you have a chance to go to the playoffs. You can anything can happen in these playoffs. And and now the mm-hmm. Reds are only a game up on on Milwaukee, um, seven up on uh, Chicago, eight and a half up on Pittsburgh. But it's there right now for the taking. You know, the central. They win that division. They get a playoff game at home. I mean, it's it's there. So, I mean, it, I would love to see it, man. Just that young team. Oof. And then you bring someone like Shohei in, just the electricity in that ballpark. I mean, say what you want about, you know, Cleveland, you know, or Ohio or whatever. But, man, like, Reds fans are fanatics whenever yeah. when it comes to their baseball team. And, and they're there good bad and different you know they're there yeah. so i couldn't imagine that ballpark would just be on fire every single night so i i would love to see them make a swing for it again i, I think it would come down to the angels saying you know they would have to just find out you know a, a, whether otani would agree to that or not saying you know whether or not he's going to be there or, or you know resign with them or not if he gives any indication that he's not you got to trade them. I get something yeah. for them. Got you got to get something for them. Yeah. Have to, have to, have to, has yeah. to happen. And I mean, look, you know, there's so many interesting things, right? Cause you're right. I mean, the, the Cincinnati would make a ton of sense. I, I don't think it'll happen. Like no one thinks any of these things will happen. You know, you just don't know what, how things are going to play out, but man, I mean, you know, yeah, the dream. Cause you know, obviously I'm from Baltimore. I'm an Orioles fan. I mean, plugging him into the middle of the young lineup because the Orioles don't have anyone that they have to pay really. And you got Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson and Cedric Mullins and uh, you know, all these, all these guys, Ryan Mount, uh, Mount Castle. And then you're dropping oh, yeah. a, a Shohei Otani in the middle of that lineup would be a nuclear yep. bomb and hitting in Camden yards. Um, even though they moved that, that, that wall out a little bit still, I mean, Otani ain't going to have any trouble. But the exactly problem is it. 
the Orioles are not going to spend the five or six hundred million, and they'd have to give up. So all of those, all almost all the players that I just mentioned in, in the Orioles lineup, the vast majority of them are farm system players that came up. And so they don't have a lot of money tied in. They drafted these guys. They brought them up through the farm system. So now you're not going to want to trade them away to get an Otani or else you end up in the exact same position, both for him and as a team, as the Angels, where you don't have anyone but him. And that's that's the, the Orioles have done plenty of that over the years of just trying to have a guy or two, a name or two to sell tickets, but not really building a legitimate team. So yeah. Um, Crazy. Again, this is this is just going to be for one year. This is this is just going to be for half a season. Right. That's point. true. So that's true. You're um, not rental, really. Yeah. Yeah. You're not. So I mean, you, you, I'm assuming you're going to give up farm play. You know, farm system guys. You're not giving up any of your everyday starters. Right. And it's just to make that run. I mean, so many teams want to win a World Series. Want to be and you know in in that discussion. That they'll do it. I mean, shoot, the Marlins bought two World Series. Yeah, know? that's true. Azinga bought true. two World Series with them, man. I mean, uh, before they actually became like legit, you know, build the farm system up and everything, they were just giving us a way to try and just <laughs> win it. So don't don't sell it short. Um, so he's yeah. either going to have to give them a guarantee or they're going to trade them. That's that's my prediction. And I, I'm going to I'm going to say since he's going to be in it's a market, I, I want it marked. Cincy. Don't be surprised if he ends up in Cincinnati here after the trade deadline. Well, if I remember correctly, the Orioles are 29th, I believe, in payroll. <clears throat> so uh, they don't spend money. <laughs> but right now, they're two games behind Tampa. They Tampa's 50... falling off, yeah, quickly. Uh, they, yeah. they, they got on a real bad uh, cold streak. Yeah, in their last 10 games, Tampa is 3-7. and seven. So the Orioles are two games behind Tampa. Here's what's interesting. The Orioles have 54 wins currently. 54 wins for the Orioles is the second most in the entire American League. Tampa is first. Orioles are second for most wins. If you were to look at the National League, 54 wins would also give you the second most wins in the National League as well. The only team with more wins is the Braves with 60, and the Marlins actually have 53. So 54 wins for the Orioles has them the second most overall in the American League and the second most overall in the National League. So now again, do I expect it to continue in the second half? Uh, Unfortunately not. I want to. But they, until they get over the troubling history, this has a t- tendency to be a team that overplays the first half, gets everybody's hopes up, and then drops off. They do have more players now, more talent now than they've had in a very, very long time. So, again, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, just the, the, the fantasy of having a Shohei Otani in mm-hmm. the middle of that lineup would be tantalizing. But I agree with you. The Reds would be pretty phenomenal. And speaking of... Uh, uh, Ellie Dela Cruz, man, did you see him the other day? <laughs> what a fun, fun player, man! It's crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so let's let's talk about this if we if we can here, and I want to I want to bring it up if you uh, you may already have it, but so the other day, he Ellie Dela Cruz is playing. He plays for the Cincinnati Reds, and I don't remember who they're playing. That's what I wanted to look up really quickly because I blanked on who it was that they were playing. 
in the game. Milwaukee, if I'm not mistaken. Well, is it Milwaukee? Or, oh, uh, but yeah. anyway, we'll we'll find yeah. out. So Dela Cruz gets on base, and he's on first base. He steals second. Then he steals third. And he's leading off from third. And as the catcher goes to toss the ball back to the pitcher, he steals home all in the same inning. The guy stole second, third, and home in the same inning. And it was incredible. And 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 it was such a heads-up play. He's so conscious and aware. And I'm going to tell you the thing that you haven't heard a lot of people talk about. Do you understand how good a shape you have to be in? Oh, yeah. To steal second to third and then immediately, I'm sorry, steal second, then steal third, and then steal home. So you're stealing three bases and you're at a dead sprint. You're having to outrun major league players (laughs) trying to gun you down. And the dude had enough stamina to get through a steal home this all happened in the same inning it's incredible yeah. i don't know that i've ever seen anything quite like that that's no. a very rare thing to have happen yeah particularly with so. home being one of them yeah yeah i mean how many players steal home a year i mean that's got to be in oh, uh, is that is that single digits it's got to be single digits uh, that gotta be stealing home yeah yeah uh it was the brewers by the way so uh okay <clears throat> um yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Ellie Dela Cruz is definitely one of these guys who, again, he's going to have a monster contract at some point. He's still, I mean, this is he's he's new into the into the majors. He just got 30 games up, so. in, I think. Yeah, I think he's only played about 30 games so far. That's crazy. It's just electric, man. It's just, it's fun. It, it's, it's, it's good to see these, um, these young guys come up and just tear the league up. It's just, it's, it's good for baseball. I mean, it's just yeah. getting people talking now and, and more eyes on it. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it'll be fun to see what happens here in the next couple of years, especially with the Reds, man. Shoot. Yeah. But and you got to be terrible for such a long time and, and be able to draft correctly to, to, it seems like, I mean, remember like, that's kind of what Houston did. Houston was just mm-hmm. awful. And then just slowly the pieces just started coming in. And yeah, I think it was yeah. a sports illustrated article, like two or three years before, like meet the future world series champions and <laughs> it was because they were so young and so well you know well put together and sure enough that's you know they ended up winning so um yeah it's it's it just takes a while and some teams just don't get there it's um it's true it's crazy well, i'll tell you an interesting stat about stealing home i just looked this up in the last 50 years 3228 base runners have tried to steal home about 27% have stolen home safely. So needless to say, it's, it's a low number. But here's the thing. Attempts to steal home account for just 1.6% of all stolen base attempts. And successful steal of home account for just 0.6% of all stolen bases. So it never happens. (laughs) So it's very rare that people even try to steal home. If you try to steal home, you have about a 27% chance of being successful. Jeez. But there's there's less than a 1% chance that a player will attempt it and succeed at it at any given time. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So... 
But anyway, anyway, we, we, we've gotten pretty far off topic here. We said we were not only going to talk about sports tonight, but it has been a very sports, uh, sports heavy show more than probably what we, uh, anticipated it being. So we can go ahead and move past, uh, move past some sports now. Um, you want to get into some quick hits? Let's get into some quick hits. Let's give the people some quick hits. All right. Quick hits. An Australian bartender found an ATM glitch and blew $1.6 million. <laughs> this is great. So, I mean, like, put yourself in this guy's situation, okay? Dan Saunders, now he's in Australia. Dan Saunders was out drinking in his hometown of Wangaratta, three hours north of Melbourne, Australia, when he stumbled upon a bank glitch that briefly made him rich. He had left the bar to get cash and discovered an ATM that was allowing him to withdraw way beyond what he had in the bank. After a bit of trial and error, the 29-year-old realized he'd found a loophole and ran with it. This lasted for like five months. Wow. He could just keep pulling money out. If he had if he had a thousand dollars in the bank, he could pull five thousand out. It didn't matter. Like they just it, it just whatever this glitch was just allowed him to continue to pull money out. So over the course of five months, Dan managed to spend about one point six million dollars of the bank's money through lavish uh, parties, chartered private jets, paid off his friends' school bills, until unsurprisingly, the police caught up to him. And uh, yeah. That's so crazy. I mean, what would you do in this situation, right? Like if you really, if you're pulling money out of the bank and then you're like, whoa, wow. Oh, why is this happening? Like, what? like how long would you go for five months? Like some people would just be like, screw it. I guess I'm just going to not stop doing this. But like, I found it very interesting. Like what a crazy thing, you know, was he just like, I deserve this. This is my lucky day. My prayers are being answered. You know, like I'm so curious, like how that played out for him. Yeah, it's crazy. And it, I was trying to read and try to understand. So it was just somehow the timing of it, like he would be overdrawn, but then be able to put money in. So it was like this. Yeah, it, it was just like a the system didn't recognize. And by the time it did, he had already pulled more money out <laughs> and it just kept snowballing. Yeah. I didn't quite understand it when I read it. I was trying to like. I don't understand, but it sounded like it was just very simple transaction that somehow he just was able to, the way the timing of it was, uh, he had just figured it out. And I was like, how is he the first person to ever figure this I out? Know. Like, it, it's just, it's crazy. And then I guess once you're in it, what are you going to do? Like at that point, what, you know, what point were you like, was he, could he have been like, oh my gosh, man, like I've withdrawn. I, I, for me, it would have been like $10,000, right? right? Like, you yeah. know, it, it, if he's at 50, 60, 80, 100,000, I mean, he made it all up to a million and a half. And I yeah. this guy essentially got a slap on the wrist for this. And and he said in the article that the judge and the prosecutor still didn't understand <laughs> what he did. It was pretty much just like, uh, yeah, a year in jail. And then I don't even yeah. think he ended up doing the full year. I think he only did a few months and then was like, probation after that so it's yeah like, i was trying to find exactly the breakdown just to make sure but i'm uh i know i have it but yeah there's i mean a, this guy's i mean the guy's throwing parties he's he's you know just it's funny because he says in the article just like how people treated him different even like the bank teller 
his he didn't have money in there, but the whatever he's doing, it made it look like he had you know a million dollars in the bank. And he was like, even yeah. the bank tellers looking at him differently, and people <laughs> look at now. Some of his friends were like, "Dude, what are you doing, man? Like, we want yeah. no part of this." And then some yeah. were like, "Hey, let's go," you know. <laughs> yeah, like as far as I'm concerned, if I'm a friend, and just to be clear, so we were just talking about this. So the the Australian guy that could pull unlimited money out of his out of his ATM due to a glitch, he got one year in jail, but then he was allowed out on an 18 month, essentially community service. Yeah. So you're supposed to do a year in jail, but they let him out if he did 18 months of community service. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't do that? And if I'm a friend of the guy, I would not be saying, well, we shouldn't do this. Well, what do I care, man? If all I would be telling the cops is, Hey, my buddy gave me money or my buddy paid for this. Or my buddy did this. Like, we're friends. Like, what, what do I have to do with that? You know, like, yeah. I didn't know how we got the money. I don't know anything about it. I don't need to know about it. You know, he's just a really good bartender, I assume. That's so, yeah, right. I mean, right. he just, people love that dude. <laughs> it, it, uh, I mean, he, so he went for almost five months, I guess, with us before, and he didn't even really get caught, right? Like, I, I think it was he turned himself in essentially from yeah, what I was, read in the article. It was kind of strange because he did. I mean, he turned himself in. So he was seeing a psychiatrist because of the guilt and the anxiety that he was feeling. And the first psychiatrist told him, I'm not qualified to do this. <laughs> Even the, the psychiatrist was like, I don't understand what you did. Yeah, like, like I don't I, get it. <laughs> and he said, he was like, dude, you're a shrink. Surely you are qualified to talk with him about this. But then he found a, another uh, therapist who was more sensible. And he didn't tell him what to do or anything. But he did say that, hey, basically, if you really want to get rid of this guilt and anxiety turn yourself in and then that's going to clear your conscience and you can move on. So then he went to the newspaper and other media companies. uh, And he said it took three print stories and an appearance on national TV before he was taken seriously. No one would believe him when he was trying to turn himself in. So very few people would do what this dude did, which is relentlessly try to turn himself in That's it. for accidentally being able to get money out of an ATM that wasn't his. Yeah. He had to try before he could get turned. So he calls the bank to tell them and the bank's like, this is the police matter now. And then waits for the police. And the police are probably like, I don't know what the guy did either. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, it well, seems like this guy probably didn't, re, you know, be outside of the guilt. And I and I get that. Probably the pressure of every phone call and, you know, right. every person you see on the street. Today like you know, the day. Every knock on the door. You know, is this the police coming to haul me away? But it right. sounds like based on this and how much he had to push to get himself arrested, that they had no clue what he did. I don't think so. I mean, even the judge and the prosecutors, the guy got a year. He stole a million. What, how much? A million and a half? A million and a half dollars, yeah. And he got a year, <laughs> which he didn't even have to do. They end up giving him community service. So clearly, and I don't even read anywhere in the article that he had to pay it back. Maybe he does. No. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how that would work because how could he? He's a bartender, makes like 22 bucks an hour. How are you ever yeah. going to pay back one and a half million dollars? I, I mean, I'm sure they could say it. he has to, but. I mean, I suppose garnish, you know, a hundred bucks a week or something right. from the guy, you know, <laughs> for infinity. But yeah, know, and I mean, crazy. it is insured, you know, your money's insured. So it's like, what do you, you know, like, what are you supposed to do? I mean, like, it's just so strange. Yeah, it, that is a wild thing, man. Uh, it, this guy sounds like, I mean. There was the thing, too, where we talk about, you know, we've talked about, like, people just, 
Like one one's enough enough. This yeah. guy probably he stopped at probably a good price uh, or a good you know um, a good spot. Yeah, and he probably could have just walked away and have been good, but you know, like the conscience caught up with him and you know, he <laughs> had to go on national television to get arrested. So, so that's a funny yeah. story. Yeah. Pretty Jeez. insane stuff, man. Pretty insane. Uh, okay. So moving on quick hits. I'm going to kind of be rapid fire on some stuff. Cause we're, we're obviously running, running long here, but oh, this was uh kind of interesting. The Miss Universe pageant uh, in the Netherlands, or I guess it's Miss Universe Netherlands, was just one. 22-year-old Ricky Valerie Cole won the pageant uh, on Saturday, which effectively makes her Miss Netherlands. And then by being Miss Netherlands, you then get to compete in the Miss Universe competition later this year. Uh, This was a maybe by some would have been considered a surprise win for Ricky Valerie Knoll. Ricky Valerie Knoll is a transgender woman and the first transgender woman to be crowned Miss Netherlands. Um, so, and everyone seemed pretty, pretty cool about it. Uh, and this is actually surprisingly not the first trans woman to vie for the Miss Universe title. Spain's Angela Ponce did it in 2018. So I really felt like that was surprising that's, that there was a trans contestant in the Miss Universe pageant in 2018. But it is kind of interesting. The new owner of the Miss Universe organization. Hmm. And Jack Rajudatip is also transgender. So so my guess is, at least if nothing else, there's a sympathetic eye and ear uh, (laughs) from the owner of the Miss Universe pageant who is transgender. And now the winner of Miss Netherlands is transgender. So it will only be a matter of time before we need to have Miss, Miss Netherlands and maybe miss mr netherlands or like some some only biological versus non-biological like i don't know how you win i mean yeah because we've we've seen it in swimming and things like that with you know with the the college swimmers and 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 weightlifting and these other things where you know biological or or originally born however the phrasing is supposed to be now men are competing in obviously dominating uh against against females in these in these situations now i will say i don't know that having been born a man originally gives you any sort of leg up on the ability to win miss universe i I feel like that's at least the most level playing field (laughs) that you can have like if you're a woman in the miss universe pageant and you lost to the transgender person in the miss universe pageant I mean, I get that it's a bummer that you lost, but you can't be because they're transgender. It's not like, oh, man, of course they had an unfair advantage. Like, there's yeah. really no, like, they dressed up in a bathing suit like you did. They put on a ball gown. They answered questions. They did all the stuff. It's pretty level playing field, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it'd probably be the most uh, fair and probably put the transgender person at the maybe the most disadvantage because they're not, you know, uh, biologically uh, a female, right. so they haven't been a woman long enough to, you know, but <laughs> I, 
what was the talent? I mean, we, I, I don't know. Like what was, whether this a singing or dancing and it's a good question. You know, I, I don't I just, have that information. Uh, no. Don't know oh that. Gosh. I will say though, it's perhaps a good thing that I did not have a vote in the Miss Netherlands pageant because I do not believe that Ricky Valerie Cole from the pictures I've seen would have would have garnered my vote. Um, no. And that has nothing to do with being transgender other than the appearance of the person and me judging uh, for Miss Universe. I do not believe I haven't been all over the universe, but in my little corner of the universe, I don't believe this is the person that would have gotten my vote. But uh, no, no. Congratulations no. to Miss Netherlands. Ricky Valerie Cole. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. We'll move on. Quick hit. I don't know if this is really a quick hits uh, story or not. Because um, I don't know that we're going to have enough time to do it justice. But we can at least touch on it very briefly as it is in the news. Actor Jonah Hill has been accused of emotional abuse by his ex-girlfriend, who was a professional surfer named Sarah Brady. She claims that Hill prohibited her from sharing bathing suit photos or even surfing with men. And she has now come out uh, and publicly shown uh, screenshots of text messages between the two of them where he very clearly lays out his expectations and what he is, is and is not okay with uh, in a relationship with her. Uh, so yeah, thought it was interesting. Uh, you had actually, I had seen something about this. You sent this to me as well. So I don't know what your thoughts were on this. Yeah. I mean, so here's, here's what he, now there's more text, and this, this text was December 2nd of 2021. So, um, this was quite a while ago and I believe now he's has a child with another woman, he recently right? had a child he with his current girlfriend so yes i mean this is this is and by it, all accounts much, a past relationship yeah and it pretty much seems like it came out almost simultaneously with you know with the news of the baby from based on what i could see again i don't really get into this stuff very much but you know you you read that and you say you know geez man what'd he do and then you read what he texted and you're kind of like I feel like that's reasonable, but am I misogynistic? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Am I a misogynist? Like, it, okay. So let me read this. So it, this apparently we'll assume it says Jonah. There's a picture of, uh, of him, um, yeah. you know, little, uh, uh, Apple picture that you can set. Um, so we'll presume it's him, but he says plain and simple, if you need, and then there's some, uh, bullet points surfing with men, boundaryless inappropriate friendships with men to, to model i guess these are all her things to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit to post sexual pictures friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful i am not the right partner for you if these things bring you to a place of happiness i support it and there'll be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the way these actions have hurt our trust. It's a pretty nice, uh, you know, 
I'm a yeah, laid out I mean. thing. So I'm, uh, you know, of course I, you know, and I'm reading, you know, and, and you know, I, I see people commenting like, yeah, if you agree with this, then you know, you're 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 the problem, you're the issue. But I, yeah, I don't know. Like I I I don't know her past enough to know like right. What's he referring clearly, to? Clearly, he was concerned about her hanging out with her people from her wild past. So apparently, there had to be a past there. Yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know that I want my, you know, you know, my girlfriend hanging out with men and posting. I, I never understand the whole like posting of like these sexual pictures online. Clearly, there's no other reason to post them besides to get attention. And if you already have someone like, why are you posting those? I mean, and that, that goes for men, too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's sure. not just women. You know, men are posting the pictures with their shirts off and their eyes and everything. Well, clearly you're doing this just to try and get attention. And, you know, like, I don't know what relationship, you know, deep down really, uh, really would want that. Now I've seen some other stuff though. That's kind of like, you know, where she's asking like, well, what about this one? And, Literally, it's like a picture of her in the ocean in a bathing suit. <laughs> it's kind of like she's on a surfboard. Well, is this appropriate? Is this okay? Yeah. So maybe it just went to an extreme, but um, I think it gets a little weird when you you chose to date a professional surfer. So yeah, like, she's going to be in a bathing suit quite yeah, a good bit. And, it's like it's yeah. and, and pictures are going to be taken of her in a bathing suit. She's going to be surfing with men. Like like that's I think the hard part is because what you're essentially saying. If you if you came to a uh I don't know uh a professional in any in any area, right? Any in, in any walk of life, and you said, Listen, if you are doing your profession with any members of the opposite sex, anything that I consider inappropriate friendship, if you want to because I I mean, she is a model, I guess. And he's saying, if you want to model, well, that's her, it's a way she earns income. To post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post, I don't know what sexual pictures would be considered, so that one I, I, I can't really hit on, just says to post sexual pictures. To have friendships with women who are unsta- in unstable places and from your wild recent past. Again, I think the tricky part is, He's the one making those judgments. And I think that's maybe where people get bothered is like, okay, well, wait a minute. She was already doing this job and it was okay when you wanted to be with her in the first place. Like you got with her having that job. She didn't become a professional surfer uh, after you got together. She didn't start modeling after you got together. So you're essentially then trying to take away her identity that she had way before you ever came along or I'm going to break up with you. And it seems like some of these things I would totally understand. Others do seem a little like, well, I don't know how you could say it, you shouldn't get pictures taken in a bathing suit when you're a professional surfer. <laughs> it would be very hard to avoid that. I don't know how she could have taken action to avoid Sarongs. that short yeah. of giving Swear up. Sarong. Uh <laughs> Yeah, or just give up surfing. Yeah, just like wear a full wetsuit or something or or give up surfing. So there's some things there. I mean, you know, people always take things too far because now they're saying, well, he was using therapist speak against her and, you know, these types of things, which, again, 
far be it for me to understand all the intricacies of this stuff. I do think that he was, um, you know, relatively reasonable in the way that he approached it. He certainly was not approaching it from a mean or emotional way, uh, which I do think would be, this is the preferred way. He's being very clear why this needed to be said in a text message versus a just sit down conversation with the person that you're in See, a relationship with. I don't know, but that's it. So there had to be something else there. I mean, this yeah. isn't like, like this is a conversation that's happened many times before. This isn't just an all of a sudden, Hey, if you're going to, con- so uh, there's way more there. And it's just yeah. kind of like, like, why are you putting this stuff out here? Like, I, I just, you're in a relationship. Like, is anything not sacred? Like, it, it just seems like, you break up and the first thing you want to do is just dish on everyone else. Like it can't, can't it just be like, it didn't work out. It didn't yeah. sound like he was like physically abusive. I don't know. May, maybe he was emotionally abusive. I don't even know yeah. what that is anymore. Uh, it seems like, you know, everything now is, is, you know, some sort of mental abuse on someone, some way, you know, everybody is triggered by everything. Um, well, and you're only getting one person's side of the story, well, too. Of course, because he's not the one leaking this. And far right. as I know, he hasn't even responded to any of this, except right. for uh, I think he put something uh, in his clothing line uh, recently. Mm. I saw. Yes. Um, yes. I saw this, too. Yeah. Alluded to that, which has already sold it, uh, already been sold out. So. Right. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's his answer to it, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. Just, I mean, again, there she is putting this out for no other reason. This guy's just had a baby and now you've put this out here. Like for what purpose? Like, what does this serve beside? Like, you're just trying to now hurt the guy. Now you look petty. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people taking her side, but in my opinion, you just look petty. Like, why wasn't this out before, you know, right after you guys got, um, you know, separated or you guys broke up? It's weird. All of this stuff is weird nowadays because, because there is no longer not only just an assumption of privacy, not even a reasonable expectation of privacy. That doesn't matter if it's in your relationship, if it's, and and look, the reality is that's how people are choosing to live their lives, right? So, like, okay. you can't yeah. also complain when you're victimized by it because you're choosing to live in the same way. If you want to be the type of person who posts everything about your life, everything you do, every good meal you have, every place you travel, every hotel you stay in, wherever you are at all times, then, okay, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? Some exactly. stuff's going to get yeah. out there. But there's no longer this, The the it used to be that, like, if if stuff came out, people were like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. That's somebody's private relationship. Now yeah. it's very different. Now it's all people want to hear about. They oh, they, yeah. they they Dishon, love that idea yeah. of being able to learn about your private relationship and your, your it's just but weird. you're only ever hearing one side of it. And so that ability to only hear one side negates everything as 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 far as credibility. And I'm not taking anything away from her and her her version of events and things like that. She has the text messages. No doubt there's a lot more to it, but I'm sure as in any scenario that there is also another side and he could be still completely wrong, right? We don't know that he could be completely wrong or it could balance out to where maybe they both have some wrong, 
and they both have some right, which is normally how it is. We're both married. That's normally how it works out. Sure. Usually it's not one person just completely wrong, a horrible, misogynistic, garbage person. And the other person did everything right and is just yeah. an innocent victim of this. Normally everyone shares. But the problem is, you know, it's the person who's sharing that is going to be the person then that's always going to look. No one's going to come forth and say, hey, listen, no one has mentioned this, but I was terrible to this person a few years back. Sure. And here's what I did. Yeah. And here's a check it out. I got all the text messages. You can read them. I'll yeah. put them up. Nobody ever does that stuff. So right. instead, you wait till you get outed by somebody and then you kind of go from there. It's exactly. So. It. So, yeah, it's just weird. Like, uh, why anyone even cares? I mean, we're talking about it, obviously, because it's in the news and it's made a big stink. But, like, it's shown the hill. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> Funny, like the dude, you know, yeah. I, I mean, Superbad is probably my all-time favorite um, Jonah Hill movie that he's in, you know. He's um, been some other good ones, but I mean, you know, fine actor, like yeah. nobody that I, I don't really care what his personal life is. And it's just, it's just <laughs> weird that you put that out there for, and I don't, I, I don't, it was just unprovoked. Like the dude announces he's having a baby and then now you're putting stuff out here about past relationships like why she said what, what? that she intentionally waited until they had the baby like after the baby because that she didn't want to cause any stress during the pregnancy so they had the baby like i don't know six months ago or something like that and then now uh she now she's putting this stuff out so she was looking at it like i was doing him a favor i was waiting to put this stuff out until it was a better time but you could also just not put it out. Like how yeah, you could also what, just not what, put so it out. So did did he break up with you then immediately get with this woman and get her pregnant? Like maybe right. that's it. She's just scorned. Yeah. Again, nothing that I'm gonna look into. <laughs> right. I'm sure I could probably <laughs> find the answers to it if I really wanted to. I don't really want to. Yeah. I just it, you know, just keep the stuff to yourself, man. It just it just if he was abusive, like you know, physically, you know, beating her and, and things like that, you know go to the police uh, again i just i don't know that this is yeah. anything that just has to get out everybody has to release everything man i'm telling you it's coming down to the point where people are going to start signing contracts before they even get into relationships yes. we talked about this uh, several months ago we talked yep. about this i can't remember what the situation was but i think i brought something up to that effect of like you know people are going to start signing essentially prenups i think it was you know it was um the uh fighter that uh his oh yeah was israel israel, israel Adesanya. Adesanya. Yes. and we said if that really passes if she really gets money yeah. um they're gonna be signing and, and i still think it's gonna be you know i mean was it Derek Derek jeter had a, a rumored yes NBA? yes yes <laughs> i mean even on the Chappelle show they had the love contract you know yeah. like that's it like you had to sign off before you're gonna get with anybody because <laughs> right. it was like hey, right. it has to be an nda and you know everything else. i mean yeah. celebrities have been using non-disclosures forever to prevent yeah. you know word from getting out so yeah yeah crazy uh all right so we should probably get ready to wrap this sucker up um i got uh one more little thing that we'll that we'll end with it did you have anything else before no. before i wrap into this okay no that's good this is this is short and sweet but you know we talked a little bit uh, in this episode about sports in general and, you know, the power of sports to bring people together and, and, you know, change lives and, you know, what it's done for all of these amazing players. You know, we talked about Ellie Dela Cruz and, and Shohei Otani and these, these folks that have come from all over the world to play 
you know, professional sports and, and what it's done for them. So <clears throat> in a similar vein, in December of 2019, two rival drug cartels who were being held at Cienegia Men's Penitentiary decided to have a friendly soccer match. The friendly soccer match ended with 16 deaths and five injuries. <laughs> oh my god, that's why I just didn't even laugh at that. But the holy crap. <laughs> Well, power of sports. That's the power of sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, was that E60? Uh, yes, we have. <laughs> power of sports. Yeah, I can't wait for them to do a 30 for 30 on this. Oh, my God. What if I told you two rival gangs? <laughs> it was like, the, put uh... down the guns and get out the soccer ball. Was that the blood in the crypts uh, holding the, you know, holding the handkerchiefs up together? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh! So at uh, sixteen, yeah, 16, oh. 16 deaths. Who's putting this on? Who's and five injuries. This? I know exactly. The warden thought this was, was a great idea. <laughs> I mean, hey, I guess he was just like, hey, man, worst case scenario, it gets people off the streets, I suppose. Like, they're all bad people. If worst case scenario, they kill each other. That's easier for us. Maybe oh they have overcrowding God. in those prisons. Yeah, pretty amazing. So, yeah, I just saw that. Again, it's short and sweet. A lot of times when we, we go into these things and they close out the show with interesting trivia or funny things or whatever, normally a little bit longer. This is nice and uh, short and sweet. You don't, uh, the friendly match ended at 16 times. <laughs> Christmas. Uh, how, oh, yeah, long, I mean, how long that match went before the first death happened? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And how much longer it was before the other 15 happened. <laughs> and they're just like, well, drag him off, bring someone else in. Let's keep playing. The game has to keep sticking. Oh, you. my gosh. Oh, that's, that is too rich. Goodness gracious. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, Not so fun. next time, if you live in a rough neighborhood and you hear about, like, at a local park or anything like that, and two gangs are thinking about getting together to you play a soccer match, do not support this. Mm -hmm. Don't go. Do not go to observe this. Don't go. Try to prevent it from happening, and if you cannot prevent it from happening, leave town. Protect yourself and your loved ones. Please. Please. Soccer will kill you. I've soccer. been saying this for a long oh, time. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. And I mean, and look who is playing it. Drug dealers. Mm -hmm. Keep your kids away from soccer, mm -hmm. people. That's Keep it. Keep them away from soccer. Protect yourselves. That's it. This is our hill. We will die on this hill. <laughs> That's right. That's soccer right. will kill you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Save yourself. Protect yourself. <laughs> Take care for those kids. Hold them tight. <laughs> Hold your little ones tight. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's pretty much everything we got. I, I don't. I don't have anything. Um, but you know, what? actually, I, I got one more. I wasn't even going to do this. I'm going to do this really quick because it was. It's also another really fast one. And I saw this, and we've been talking a little bit of baseball tonight. So for anyone who's stuck with us this long, listening to some baseball stuff, I got a. I got a baseball stat for you. Remember Don Mattingly, great Hall of Fame player. Don Mattingly played sure. for the Yankees, played for some other teams, but Don Mattingly probably known as a Yankee. Don Mattingly played from 1982 to 1995. Don Mattingly set a single season major league baseball record 
1987 with six grand slams in one season. Don Mattingly never hit another grand slam in any season of his entire career before or after he had his seasons went zero 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 six major league baseball single season record zero 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 that is amazing <laughs> like what are the chances what? why would that happen yeah and right I mean, in the middle of your career you suddenly go off you had six grand slams you had a major league baseball record and you never had hit a grand slam before and you never hit one never so you just set the record and you'd be like i'm good hmm. yeah i don't, I don't even, even want to hit another grand slam yeah. if you put me up there with those bases loaded i'll bunt i am I not interested <laughs> But yeah, I saw that. I thought it was such a weird stat, you know, like just such a strange, strange thing that you could have never, ever hit a grand slam in your career. And then at the halfway point of your career, you set the the single season Major League Baseball record for grand slams in a season. And then you never, your entire rest of your career, which is actually longer than the first half of your career, never, ever hit another one. That is insane. What a weird anomaly. Like, that's just, Yeah. I mean, just no. for to hit six in one year, just to have all of that set up. Like, I'm sure he wasn't yeah. six for six in Grand right. Slams that year. So, how, <laughs> like, he might have had 10 or 15 opportunities yeah. to be able to get up there. And, oh, my gosh. Grand wild, And then never yeah. again. Yeah. Never again. Never again. Jeez. All of his Grand Slams in his entire career happened in one season. And go. that was it. Just so, get him out of the Got line. it out of the system. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to deal with these yeah. anymore. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> I set the record and I got out. Yeah. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. That's it. Just like Costanza. Tell that that's one right. joke. And... <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Leave it on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that having been said, I think now we can officially wrap it up. And, All right. um, give people a few minutes of their time back. We're normally right at about two hours or so, and uh, we're just, just slightly shy. So yeah. uh, global audience, you get about two minutes of your lives back. Thanks That's to it. us. So Enjoy don't say it. we never gave you anything. We gave you two minutes of life. Don't waste it. No other show is going to give you any amount of life. We've given no. you two minutes of it. <laughs> yes. Do well with it. In fact, also don't be afraid to go out, check your ATMs, see if you find a glitch. If you do, don't report yourself because they can't catch you. (laughs) You're safe. (laughs) Just don't tell them you heard it from us. Yeah, we had nothing to do with it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right, everybody, that's it for us. We appreciate you listening as always, and uh, we will talk with you soon. Have a good day, everybody. Good night.